You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the one-on-one app where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits and incremental steps. And it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multi-dimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it. It's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play. But I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom, but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you. And I'm really excited to get your feedback. So if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. And on to the episode. Today, I'm joined by Dylan Gomi. Dylan is the founder of Diligence and a wellness leader who focuses on unlocking energy through the power of behavioral change. She's coached corporate and individual clients from some of the largest organizations in the world to maximize their performance and implement wellness solutions in the workplace. In addition to her experience as a practitioner, Dylan brings her experience from driving strategic initiatives at world-class fitness brands like Barry's, CrossFit, Equinox, as well as her in-depth fitness knowledge from teaching on camera classes to thousands of loyal followers and training for Ninja Warrior. Dylan is also an MBA from Harvard and also one of my favorite people who I got to meet through the one-in-one ecosystem. Her energy is contagious. She's brilliant. I know you're going to get a lot of value from this. Now on to the episode. Dylan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You know, when I first met Dylan, uh, it was through our one-on-one ecosystem. And it was one of those days where I was like five minutes before the recording, like half asleep, trying to take a nap, trying to find my energy. And all of a sudden, I jump on this call with Dylan. And she is just so like open and just energetic. And I just remember that like throughout my day, throughout my year, it's very rare that I meet someone that I felt like I've known for a lifetime. So when that happens, it's so amazing. So Dylan, I'm so excited to have today's convo. And you heard in the intro kind of a little bit about Dylan's background, but how did you get to where you are? I know that, you know, Nigerian roots is big for you. So so maybe let's start there, but tell the people a little bit about who you are. Yeah. So I found my passion in life in a fairly unexpected place, which was a Wall Street trading floor. Uh, while I was working in foreign exchange. And if you know the stereotypes about Nigerians, our main professions are doctor, lawyer, engineer. So (laughs) banker wasn't (laughs) quite in the mold. Yeah. But after I graduated from college, foreign exchange actually fit for me. Foreign exchange has a lot of storytelling behind it. There's a certain reason why a currency might be trading one way against another way. It might be about an election. It might be that the Olympics were on and a country won. And I loved that. Besides the fact that I was a Black woman on a foreign exchange trading floor, I was also a little distinct in that I was a liberal arts major and I was really good at writing about it. I was really good at conveying those stories. I'd be lying if I didn't say part of the fuel really in my early days that for a while I was sprinting was I remember my first couple of weeks, somebody saying, well, we know how you got here. And I was like, tell me why. Yeah, what does that mean? Mm, uh, the exact phrase was, well, you're a double whammy. Tell me more. I will tell you more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, tell, no, I'm talking tell, to this person. I'm like, tell me more. I was like, what does tell that mean? me more. Um, <laughs> but I also had the extreme fortune of having multiple 
strong women in my life, one of them being my mother who didn't take anything from anyone, and another one being another strong female on the trading floor who said, smile and sprint. And that's exactly what I did. So very quickly, I became the person that was known for knowing the most about algos on the trading floor. I was the person that was always the earliest on the desk. I was running through walls and working something like, you know, 70 to 80 hours a week and turned into that person who was excellent and happened to be a Nigerian woman. But in the process of doing that, when you're working that hard, you can also unexpectedly experience something that we can all articulate now called burnout. Um, and I didn't know that that was what I was experiencing, but there was like a change to my energy where like each day I had to get up and just get through the day until this woman forced me to go to a cycling class. And I always really, really like to underscore the word force because I didn't want to go. Which seems so like counter to who you are today because like I would be like, oh, you're perfect for that. And that's so no. funny that you even, you're like, nah. <laughs> nah, nah. This Nigerian grew up in Illinois. The bikes move there and you ride them outside. Gotcha. So <laughs> going to a dark dungeon <laughs> yeah. where the bikes don't move didn't seem like the type of thing that I wanted to do at 6 p.m. But to wrap uh, that story, I walked out being one of those people that waved a towel around my head because I loved that class so much. Not just because it was fun, but I actually felt better. It was the exact opposite of like what I described where like I was getting through the day versus like when I need to go back to work. I had all this energy to like last three or four more hours at, on the desk after 45 minutes. I'm like, what does that even mean? Or like for 45 minutes, I get three to four more hours of joy? Great. That was the beginning of really how I like changed my life. Like I don't mean to sound frou-frou, but that moment changed my life. Mm, I love that. And it's something that I've talked about on the podcast before. When I was working at Nike, when I was working corporate, that was something that I always remember as showing up. And I would show up like 45 minutes early. I would listen to, and it sounds so cliche and it sounds so weird, but sometimes your soul just knows what to give you in the moment. And I would show up early. I would put on like very, like it would be either jazz or I would start off with like a meditation, but I would read a book. And this is in my car, in my 2003 Lexus, which uh, I loved to death. What color was it? It was burgundy. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Better go yeah. with your burgundy, Right, sir. right, <laughs> right. And I would write down notes and the notes spanned from either writing down how I felt that day, writing down like what I wanted, or just like free flowing. And I, the stack of notes got to be, you know, inches tall uh, by the time I left Nike. I still have it to this day. I still flip through them. But that moment and those things helped me get through the day. And it was that moment where you learn to kind of be glad in it. And that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is being glad in it and getting through the day. And I want to weave in when we started before we recorded, you mentioned you just had a birthday and you mentioned how things just felt so much different. So Thinking back to Dylan, who was working the desk, and thinking back to Dylan, who just celebrated this wonderful milestone birthday, which sounded like just a nice full circle moment for you. Like, one, what are some of the things that now that you've stepped into entrepreneurship, now that you've kind of molded and found your passions and found where you make an impact, what did that birthday feel like? What things do you feel like you've cultivated? And then we'll move into some of the challenges, because I know it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. I think what I accidentally did back on the desk is what I intentionally do now, which is really following the joy. And I don't mean that in any kind of frou-frou way. Like there is science about how your gut can tell you how you feel about something, about your action that you're doing. Even when I think back to that time where 
like the part that I, I didn't unveil is I wound up actually starting to teach fitness something like seven to 10 times a week while I was working my full-time job. So I continued working on, on Wall Street those same hours. I also helped Bank of America launch a millennial financial literacy platform. And I was a flywheel instructor all at the same time. And while those sound like things that are a lot, for me, that was me following my joy. That was me saying, these are things that are giving me energy and they supported each other and me doing my best work. That was an accident. But now that's something I intentionally do where I'm like, if I align things that give me energy, not only am I doing my best work, but ultimately I'm doing something that's of service. That's how I felt about fitness. That's how I felt about serving my clients. And that's how I felt about financial literacy. And then it drives me to figure out how do I do more of that and do it better Yeah. now and back then. So back then it was, I love teaching, but that's me to maybe 50 people at once. What does it mean to scale that? And that's why I went to business school. Like that's what moved me to say, I want to learn more. It would bring me joy to learn more. And HBS let me in. I have a great video of the Dean of Admissions right before I crossed the graduation stage, being like, we're going to get on video that I wasn't an admissions mistake. And we did. We got that video. Yes, we do. Um, but no, that was the universe <laughs> saying this is, that was part of what yeah. I was doing. And, you know, if anybody like looked at my LinkedIn, they would think it looks like so much of a straight line where I'd gotten this full 360 of the fitness industry from seeing brick and mortar at the upper echelons of Equinox and at, at Barry's while continuing to be a fitness instructor. But really that was what was moving me in the world. And when I think about my life now, particularly as an entrepreneur, following that, and not saying every day is easy, but following that allows me to live and work in alignment with my mission, which is how do I help other people unlock their energy to do their best work? Yeah, so that's me. That's me a year older and wiser, understanding that that's not a feeling, that's a strategy for life. So... And, and and that that's amazing. And I think a lot of people will drive with that, especially kind of, and this has been a trend on the podcast the last couple of weeks, is like this success or this path, even if you stay in corporate and try to find a career that works for you, or if you dare brave to go into entrepreneurship, that the path is so nonlinear, even for quote unquote successful people. So can you talk about like what diligence is, how you landed on that and kind of where you're at today. And then we'll get into some of the challenges because that's where I think a lot of the learnings that we can share come from. Yeah, I think we all hear a lot of entrepreneurs say that the best ideas come out of need and they come out of lived experience. And my lived experience was realizing that the way that other people worked out or the way that they fit health and wellness into their day wasn't the same as how I did it. And that wasn't a bad thing. One size doesn't need to fit all, especially when you have a really busy life. Understanding the habits and the hacks that will fuel your energy and will fit into your life are the best way to make it sustainable. And I accidentally just started coaching people. Part of it came through classes. Part of it came through people that met me in class and they were like, hey, we see that you work full-time. We work full-time. The difference is that you also are specialized in behavior change as well as you know, corrective exercise and other arenas of fitness. Let's start working together. And that was an accident. And then it was through working with these people that happened to be executives that I unlocked this concept of if you strategically understand how to build fitness into your life or you understand, hmm, I really hit this slump at 2 p.m. Maybe part of it is because I'm eating the cookie at 2 p.m. 
But if I eat it at 4 p.m., then I'm not going to hit the slump at 2 p.m. and I get my cookie. Then you really understand how to squeeze all the things that you like in life into your day without feeling like you're compromising. More importantly, it's this understanding that your energy is really what drives how you get your work done. Time is finite, but your energy is like a constantly renewable resource. And the way that I help people tackle that is through their physical energy, their mental energy, mindful energy, and their emotional energy. There was something you said earlier about how you wrote down those insights about how you were feeling and how you were thinking. And if you have that self-awareness during your day and when you're getting your work done, that unlocks your capacity to have empathy for other people, but also to have empathy for yourself. Where if you're like, huh, I'm feeling irritable, I'm feeling fatigued today. And then it's that, aha, I didn't get enough sleep. So that self-awareness to realize, okay, one, I need to check myself when I go into my next meeting. So that way nobody comes away with some kind of feeling about me um, because I snapped. Or better yet, I can share, oh man, I didn't get enough sleep. So then that increases their empathy for me. But then two, I understand what I need to do next. I need to make sure I stay focused during the day so I can get home at a decent hour, get work done, and go to bed, try to get seven to eight hours of sleep so the next day I don't have the same feeling. And that's part of what I help people to unlock, both one-on-one through group facilitation. And then the bigger thing is how do we really change the way that companies get work done? There's a lot of science that shows that there are effective working patterns to how we can get our work done. So rather than just traditional corporate benefits, like here's a free Fitbit. Fitbit is great. Great track. It gives you great (laughs) insights. But it's like, how do you actually build that into how you do work? So I help companies do those three things. I love that. And the self-awareness piece is something that has always an undertone here. I would say on that note, I would always write down that I felt like I could be doing more or I felt like I wanted to expand but wasn't able to. And that wasn't due purely to my job. It was due to my financial situation. It was due to like something you just talked about, which is my energy sources being drained and never refreshed. Like my wife, my now wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. That was the only person that I felt really did that for me. And really it was the ability to kind of get off the hamster wheel and just be me. Because I think at the time I was really, and I still do this from time to time, but I interweave work too deeply into my identity and forget that, right, like work is not everything. And so I've I've today replaced that word with impact. That is kind of what has reframed work for me in general is like everything I do is impact. And like you, it allows us to do a multitude of things. Like when I try to describe to someone what I do, they're like, what? Like, how do you do all of this? And I think it goes back to people kind of looking at work and looking at their energy in the wrong way. So I know the work that you do is so important. As you work with people, what are some of the like common, I call them pitfalls, but what are some of the common lessons that you find people are running into? Like, what are those things that where people kind of get stuck or can't move forward? I'm really curious in your time and with your clients, like what are those common threads? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is this concept of guilt. Ooh, that's in, good. In multiple forms, which is I have 10 things that I need to get done. How can I stop? How can I take time to recharge a battery? And like the simple thing I tell people is like, so we probably all charge our iPhone overnight, right? But at some point, it's going to run low and it's going to go into battery safe mode. Mm. And in battery safe mode, it's functioning in a limited capacity, right? Like it's not actually doing everything that it could for you. You can still use your wallet. You can still use your, your Apple wallet. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, capitalism's figured that part out. <laughs> that, that part, you can always take. Um, <laughs> that 
part always happens. Yeah, but yeah. It's just not functioning as well as it would if we we're back on green. Oh, that's good. I'm not even saying you have to charge it back to 100%. We all know that if you just plug it in for three or four minutes, it'll probably get back to green. So that guilt factor, I, I pit that against pure reason, which is like, okay, you've been working for four hours straight. Your lower back hurts. But if you stood up for two minutes, you feel instant relief and you stop thinking about how much your lower back hurts. And you just reset your brain. So if you sit down again for those next two hours, you can do that and that work will be better versus you just trying to slog through the next two hours, getting less done and with less quality. Which one sounds better? So there's that guilt. And the other part is perceived shame. As at an offsite not too long ago, where somebody was saying like, man, I want to go to the gym, but I just worry that people like judge me if I go to the gym. And then somebody else said, well, actually, there's a leader I saw who always goes to the gym at 10 a.m. And I love that. And everyone was like, oh, that's so awesome that a person was doing it. And I was like, both of you just listen to what you just said. You just were clapping for somebody else that took time to integrate health and wellness into their lives. So you feeling some kind of shame is understandable. We all feel like we should be doing more. But if you are vulnerable enough to share what you're doing, more often than not, people are actually clapping for you and saying, good for you. And they wish that they could do that. So the reframe is, can you be the person that inspires somebody else to take that step? But those are the, the two biggest ones, guilt and shame. And we all deal with it. We all feel like we should be doing more. No one knows that more acutely than an entrepreneur who's like running down her to-do list at the end of the day. But even for myself, Ariana Huffington, I love you, but forgive me for this. I don't shut off my phone right before bed. But the way that I relieve my own guilt is I say, you know what? I'm going to make my to-do list for tomorrow. And suddenly I feel better. I feel really good about so the true. position I'm putting future Dylan in the next day. Yes. No, that's so good. And I and it's something I still struggle with. And it's something that I always even coach my mentees or we talk about here too, is like people feel like there's this goal to not feel guilt or to not feel shame. And I think the biggest lesson I've had to learn is how I respond to it and the tools that I give myself to respond to it and understanding that like that is okay if that happens too. So I just wanted to really underscore that because the goal isn't to not feel guilt or to not feel shame. The goal is to learn how to respond to it and not let it bog you down for weeks or months or years at a time. I laughed at your gym analogy because that's how exactly how I felt. And I'm an ex-D1 athlete. And so that was something I always felt like I should be going to the gym. I should be doing these long-winded workouts. I should be able to perform, blah, blah, blah. And I had all of this perceived guilt about going. And every time I go to the gym, there's just like unspoken when I see someone else in the gym, it gives me energy. And yesterday I had like a 15 year old walk up to me in the gym. I was like, can you show me what you're doing? And it was like this moment where I was like, this is so cool. And we ended up doing the rowing machine together and it was the cutest thing ever. But like, if I had stayed at home and listened to that perceived guilt, or I call him Kevin, because he's always really loud, that voice that we all fight Kevin. all day long. Kevin. Yeah, I keep what Kevin at bay all the time. Mine. Yeah, you got to name it it was really helpful to to come from that vantage point, come from that perspective. And now I look forward to going to the gym. Like I'm going to the gym after this. And I typically would never go to the gym in the middle of the afternoon, but it gives me energy. I feel like I need to be there to set an example, but mainly I'm doing it for me. Yes, yes, yes. It's interesting how dangerous the word should is. Like it, it comes from, from us. And should, who, oh, that's who, so good. Who externally is telling you what you should do? Mm. It's so good. I actually made a video about this and I asked people, whose imagination are you tapped into? Which is a big one. 
Because a lot of the time when we think about something or we try to do something, either it's your brain that has no context and it's just fighting the tiger in the bush, or it's that person, that parent, that person that maybe you had a negative experience with. But what I try to channel now is those positive people like yourself, T. Drew, Tori, my wife, people that will give me that other perspective more than I listen to Kevin, for example. But I couldn't agree with you more. Like that should word, it, that should be a, it should be a bad word. It should be as bad as the F word, I think. Um, because it's like, what does that mean? And I appreciate you bringing that up because it's, it's such an important thing. Yeah. And it's, there are two nuggets that actually, I, they both, they're both insights that came from the same, from the same person. The one of them being the mortality is reality thought. And actually a very, very positive way, which is we have one life. We are all acutely aware that it's short and we intellectually know that. But when you really think about the fact that we don't have that much time and we have no assumptions about how much time we actually, or shouldn't have any assumptions, should, there's that should word, about how much time we have. How much time do you really spend on thinking about other people? Or how much do you want to spend worrying about what if or walking around with regrets? And then the other thing this person told me about was a podcast she listened to where someone said, Queen of England, she was in power for 52 years. One of the richest, wealthiest humans on the planet. She died months ago. How often do you think about her? How often do you think people are thinking about you and what you're doing? So when you have that in your brain and you realize just move in the world, less thinking about how people are thinking about you, more you doing and creating that impact that you were called to do. That's, that's all that matters. That's what legacy means. Like leave the impact, spend all the time leaving the impact because you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the world to create what you were uniquely designed to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. And I think that's why this is a pillar of Unstucked is just to get started for two minutes and bring yourself back to the present moment because that's the most powerful exercise that has pulled me out of pretty much any slump, any feeling stuck. Another big trend that we talk a lot about is moving from, you know, corporate to entrepreneurship or even back or optimizing, you know, your current environment. In your experience, what has been one of the bigger challenges that maybe you're still facing, whether that's entrepreneurship or just making impact? Like, what are some of the things that get you stuck and what are some of the ways you're working on trying to address those things? Because I think that's where I think a lot of people find value is, is in that shared kind of struggle. Yeah. So I would say the big one for me, one of them is purely practical. So there's a service aspect of diligence where I'll go in and work with companies on group offerings as well as strategic work. But then I'm also in the process of building a technical product as well. And how you grow as an entrepreneur is a really big decision. The people that invest in you, both emotionally as well as financially, have to be aligned and believe in what you're doing and believe in you as a founder. And a lot of founders choose the VC route. And to the people that choose that, I give the same advice that I was given, which is they have to be really, really aligned with what you're building. Otherwise, the capital starts to shape the idea as opposed to what you as an entrepreneur were uniquely put on this earth and designed to create. So that's something I'm yes. acutely aware of. Like I am consciously building with people that are aligned with my vision, that believe in this world where... There's no trade-off between your health and doing hard work. And that's what fuels diligence, people that are moving with that mission. That means that, no, I'm not taking a ton of funding from some of these larger institutions. And that might mean slower growth, but am I building the right thing? 
yes, I can say that. I'm not hesitating. I'm like, yes, I'm building the right thing and I'm building in alignment with my mission. And even if it shifts, it's shifting with people that are in line with my heart and in line with the service orientation and the impact that we will hopefully create together. So that's one. Then the second one is more emotional. And I'm a really big believer in spreading the wisdom that has really impacted me the most, especially over the last couple of weeks. I caught up with a mentor that reminded me that like, you know what? Treat your feelings in your days as an entrepreneur kind of like you would the market. You might have a bad day, but you probably won't have a bad week. And don't let the bad days make you change your outlook on life or make you start dumping your your ideas <laughs> or being like, oh no, I'm not gonna make it. I Instead, gotta sell. It's, like, it's like, gotta sell, 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 sell. That's not the yeah. way life is. Like, look at the weekly trends. And, and if you do have a bad week, analyze why. And if you have a bad month, then maybe you start to change your portfolio. But the bad days will come and go. The bad weeks might happen and you'll get some information from it. But more often than not, hold on. Hold on to the path. So as an entrepreneur, that's something that you have to hold on to because you're constantly dealing with uncertainty and building something that you see and you're slowly pulling other people in to see as well. But you're the one that has to stay laser focused and say, in spite of everything, it's right. Yeah, it's so true. Giannis Antetokounmpo made a great quote yesterday. The number one seed Bucks got knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. And a reporter asked him, do you consider this season a failure? You worked so hard and you lost in the first round to the last seed. And Giannis got visibly upset at that. And he said, Michael Jordan won six championships, but for nine of his seasons, he didn't win a championship. Were those failures? And the reporter didn't answer. And he said, no, I'm asking you that question. Was Michael Jordan a failure for those nine years? And the reporter said, well, no. And Giannis said, exactly. He said, in sports and in life, like sometimes it's someone else's turn to win. And sometimes it's your turn to win. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and try to work and get back on the road of me winning tomorrow. That's the ultimate goal. But there are no failures in sports and there are no failures in life. And I thought that was such a well put quote because at the end of the day, an entrepreneurship is the same. And I have to constantly remind myself of this. And this is why I surround myself with people that are super important. And that's why I always give the number one piece of advice is like, yes, people around you shape you. They won't determine your outcome, but your support system is really, really important. And you need like the Giannis is around. So when your stock is down, they're like, look at the upside. How do we get to the upside? Not focusing on, you know, it's down. Now, I, I do think that there is a time and a space. I was watching a show and one of the therapists on the show gave their client a piece of advice to put on the saddest song they can find and cry for 15 minutes. But after that 15 minutes, it's time to get working again. And so to that, I say, if you feel that failure, if you, if you want to feel it, feel it. But there's comes a moment where you need to look at that upside and realize that like life isn't a sporting event. Like even our feelings, we don't have control of them. And we think we do. But I think the biggest thing goes back to the beginning of our conversation where these things aren't linear and your ability to really tailor who you are, which is what I see as the biggest asset of the diligence brand is the ability to really shape your life to you and to not look externally for that shaping. So I'll leave you a second to respond. And that was a lot, but I, I really resonate with what you said. And it really weaves together a lot of the things I've been really aware of lately. Yeah. And like, just how, like, obviously you and I vibe a lot, like the intentionality of who you surround yourself with when you have those difficult times, just being so important. Like, you need somebody who's going to like on those bad days, say in the objective ways, not even in like the, the woo-woo ways. You always need the hype person too, but be like, 
it's a moment of the rest of your life. Like it's here versus everything else. And actually being just as frank about the converse, which are there's people that are going to clap for you and be like, yeah, go for it. Not all of them are for you. And that's okay. That, that's okay. In fact, if you have a small core group of people that you can call friend and wake up at 2 a.m. and know that they are there for you, you're blessed. And that's enough to keep you going. And I focus on those humans. Like you are like your wife, T. Drew, people like me, people like that are always going to cheer you on and say like, keep going. That's a lot. That's already a lot. And, you know, I've, I've had this talk with many entrepreneurs where they're like, man, I keep emailing this person. This person was saying like, go for it. Go like, I'm here for you. And then radio silence. It's like, oh, is your, your phone disconnected or are you just like, <laughs> yeah. where'd you go? It's like, where, 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 where'd you go? Where'd you go? And it's like, that's going to happen. And what's also going to happen is when that person is successful, that person's going to come out of the woodwork and post about them on LinkedIn and be like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and that's okay too. You'll take it, right? And- That's okay too. And you nod and you smile and you keep moving. But the main thing is when you're surrounded with good people, it's really easy to shut out the noise. And even those people that didn't answer, it's okay. Then they weren't the ones who were going to get you to the finish line anyway. Less to focus on, less energy there. Dylan, as you continue to scale and build diligence out and just spread your impact, how can our community be of support of you? Where can we find you? Just want to give you that moment. Well, you can go to diligence.com. Book me for your next event, workshop, or conference, and follow along on the journey. Any speaking opportunities, content opportunities, opportunities to collaborate, let's do it. Let's spread some energy and and lots and joy together. Dylan, thank you so much for coming on. You're a joy. You'll be able to find all of Dylan's contacts in the show notes. Dylan, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked Podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok.